From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. We are in a study of the book of Genesis, and I'm calling this the beginning, the backstory to the beginning. If you are a Jewish person, uh, then the Old Testament story that is the central story of the Old Testament is when God took his chosen people, the children of Abraham, and rescued them from slavery out of Egypt. And how did they get into slavery in Egypt is all in the book of Genesis. How do they become God's chosen people? That's all in the book of Genesis. How does God relate to man? That's all in the book of Genesis. So you need that backstory to understand the Exodus, and you need to understand the Exodus to understand all the rest of the Old Testament and the prophets. Uh, so, so Genesis is a foundational book. Now, in the story of Christianity, the central point of Christianity uh, builds on that and, and says the central point of Christianity is the life of Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate, come to this earth, redeem man, show us uh, you know, what God looks like, and then um, everything points to that. So the whole Old Testament is the backstory to the redemption story of Jesus, and then we're living kind of in the New Testament time. Uh, people call that Acts 29, because you have Acts you know, 28. Um, so the, uh, the, the backstory to, to everything is the book of Genesis. We've already gone through the days of creation. If you'll remember, um, we looked at this over the last two days. Uh, day one, God created the heavens and the earth, uh, and I believe that's where God created everything, right? The energy, the mass, the time, out of nothing, ex nihilo, which is the Latin word which means out of nihilo, uh, out of nothing, ex nihilo. Uh, he, created, he created enough matter and time and energy to create a universe, and then he created the land, uh, the sky on day two, then he created the land and the seas on day three. He created the sun, moons, and stars on day four. He created fish and birds on day five, and then he created animals and man on day six, and then on day seven, he rested. So we've seen kind of that God has created, that he is the creative force behind everything, that out of nothing, and this is the, this is the part where philosophers and scientists and everybody kind of have a stumbling block, because if, if there was nothing, then where did the something come from, right? Uh, and the only way that something could have come from nothing is if there was a force, a creative force outside of the nothing to create the something. That, that is the only explanation. Now scientists are working furiously trying to find different theories about how there are deep forces in the universe that nothing forces that create something. And, um, They've talked about God particles and all sorts of things, but ultimately the question is, where did it all come from and how did it get here? Because we are living on a, on a reality. We live on an earth that has, that has matter and mass. We are part of a universe that has matter and mass. We live in energy. We have in time. And all of that had to come from somewhere. And there is no, um, I myself am a scientist and, uh, there is no explanation for where this all came from except that it had to be an external force outside of the known universe 
that would have done this. And um, that, that's just, at, at its basic root level, that's what God is. God is the force or the creative part of the world that we can't understand that has to be outside of the world, has to be outside of the universe to be able to bring into existence the creation. And that's, that at its root is the definition of what God is. Now, we have a lots of other definitions of God because we believe he's been revealed to us through uh, the Old Testament patriarchs and the law and the prophets and Jesus Christ. So we have other revelations about what we believe about God. But even putting all of those aside, there is the still the fundamental question that cannot be answered by science. Uh, it is a philosophical question. And the question is, where did it all come from? Now, Genesis, as we've seen, has this creation story that God created us, uh, the, this whole entire system, the universe, in seven days. On the seventh day, he rested. Uh, and that is about as good an explanation about the foundation of where we came from than anything else in the world, okay? Uh, it's, it's, it's as good of an explanation as any scientific explanation we came up, come up with. And even the scientific explanations that people are coming up with fall short because it's not a scientific solution, at least not yet. We haven't seen one yet of a scientific solution of where you can get something out of nothing. Uh, it violates every law of physics. It violates, uh, it violates our mind. It, it violates everything. And that is the fundamental struggle that every human has to wrestle with is where did it all come from? What does it all mean? Where are we all going? Now, religion and philosophy provide answers to that. Um, religion more than philosophy, actually. But science, it can only go so far. And then after it goes that far, if you are a true scientist, that is the only far you can go. Now, we can investigate. We can look. Uh, we can try to understand, we can try to come up with theories, but ultimately those theories are almost untestable because we can't basically create a universe and see if it all works and then destroy it and then create it again. We just, we simply can't do that. So um, anybody that tells you that all the science has been figured out, they're lying. Uh, anybody that tells you that, uh, that God can't possibly exist, they, they are being disingenuous because there is no way to prove that God doesn't exist. And if you look at the raw facts, just the raw facts that we are sitting on an earth in the middle of a universe, God makes about as much sense as any other theory out there, all right? So, um, and the reason why I'll bring that all up is because if we look, if we look at where we are, um, so day one, God created the, the heavens and the earth, day two is the sky, Day three, land, sea. Day four, sun, moon, stars. Day five, fish, birds. Day six, animals, man. Day seven, rest. If you look at that, um, you have to consider these two thoughts. And the first thought is this, that God told us in Genesis. He told man, this is, this is the command of God is to subdue the earth. In other words, we're not just supposed to sit here and enjoy it. And originally at creation, God told us to subdue it which means that we have to take control over it. Well, how can you take control over the earth unless you understand the earth? 
which means that we are commanded by God, literally, to understand everything about the earth we can possibly understand. And certainly Adam and Eve did not understand about electrons and, and uh, atoms and matter and mass and time and space and Einstein's equation, all those sort of things. All they knew about was the green grass and the trees and the food that they were eating and a love of a God who showered down on them, which is basically all we ever need in life. But we also are commanded by God to subdue the earth. And I would, I would venture to say to you that the, um, the course of mankind from the creation up until today has been the process of trying to understand how to subdue the earth. Because subduing the earth allows mankind to flourish. Uh, it helps mankind to understand about diseases and food. Uh, it allows mankind to do the other thing that God told us to do, which is to be fruitful and multiply. Well, you can't be fruitful and multiply unless you subdue the earth because there's only so many people that the earth can, 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 can hold unless we start learning about the earth and diseases and, uh, and all that sort of thing. So we are called by God to do two kind of crazy things. We're supposed to be fruitful and multiply and we're supposed to subdue the earth so that way we can be fruitful and multiply. That is a command of God. So you have to consider that. But the other thing is, is that um, creation story it says that God created the earth in seven days. Now, for years and years and years, I would say up to, from the time of creation up to maybe 100, maybe 150 years ago, that was not a problem. Nobody ever saw an issue with the fact that God uh, says in Genesis that there was seven days of creation, uh, and that, and that, that's what mankind believed. But as we started subduing the earth and started investigating about things like how old is the earth and where did all these fossils come from and what do all these fossils mean? Uh, and, and if you look at the size of, of the universe, how did it all get here? And we started investigating that because God told us to, right? God told us to subdue the earth. He told us to understand everything about the earth. That necessarily didn't um, complement the literal seven days of creation. Because if you literally look at the book of Genesis and take it literally, it means that, right, that uh, on day one, it was, you know, God created that, then the sky, and, you know, in seven, within seven days, the universe as we know it right now uh, was created. Uh, but starting at about maybe 150 years ago, maybe even a little bit longer ago, as they started, uh, as they being people who think about these things, philosophers, scientists, uh, uh, religious people, how do we, how do we put together and complement each other? How do we join together? How do they live in the same universe? The fact that the Bible says that the earth is a, a literal seven days of creation uh, but that as we've subdued the earth, we see perhaps that the universe is a lot older than that. Um, so that is a fundamental question that mankind has been struggling with now for maybe about 150 years. And um, if we're going to do a study of Genesis, and if it's going to be a study that, uh, that means anything to all of you, I, I think we should tackle this because uh, you will find people uh, that you interrelate with that will tell you that the earth was created 
um, in seven days, and it happened at a certain time. Uh, some people will say it was a long time ago. Some people will say it was evolution that created the earth. Uh, and you will find people on all different sides of this debate. And so I basically think that we should spend some time this morning just looking at that question. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, so God says, subdue the earth. And God said, you know, there was a seven days of creation. And some people take that very literally. And it's okay to take that literally if you want to take it literally because the word uh, for day is yom. And in scripture, in the Old Testament, day always means a 24-hour period. It means evening. It means morning, one day. All throughout scripture, it's never taken anything other than literally. So the question is, can we take it literally? Should we take it literally in Genesis 1? Or is that so far long ago that it was the only word that really made sense and it may be a figurative seven days. That is the question. And so in viewing that, we're going to go back to this. Um, there are three basic creation models. And I have to thank one of my seminary professors at uh, Concordia Seminary because he did a uh, presentation on this a few years ago and it's available online. And basically he talks about what the creation models are. Basically there's one called Old Earth Creationism. And then there's another model called Young Earth Creationism. And then there is another model that is kind of making way in even Christian circles, and that is evolutionary creationism. And all of these three models are trying to basically go back and try to answer this question. If, if we're supposed to understand the earth and look at it and investigate it, but it says seven days of creation. How do, we, how do we join those together? How do we meld those together into a theology that makes sense? So let's look at old earth creationism. So old earth creationism is a theological scientific synthesis of the Bible and creation, and it predates Darwinian evolution by nearly half a century. So basically, um, this was actually pre-Darwin. If you remember, Darwin is in the 19th century. Uh, so this actually predates him. And it, was a, it, it, it is a natural thing for mankind to investigate the earth. And, and as people did that, they started finding fossils. They far, find, uh, found geological strata. Uh, they, they found things that they couldn't understand if, if, the, if it was a literal seven days. And so they... So they started to investigate that. And as they did, they came up with this theory, which is called old age creationism, which is basically God created a long time ago, uh, the heavens and the earth and all that could have been seven days, no, no problem with that. But then after that, then the earth kind of took a slow path and the earth is actually several million years old, maybe even a billion years old. Uh, and that God created it and he did it in seven days, but it's a billion years old. Well, there's a few uh, issues with that uh, because God says that man was created on the seventh day. Um, if man was created on the seventh day, then how did man and dinosaurs and geological stratums and ice ages, all of that all happen at the same time? Uh, we go back to here. Generally, those who call themselves old earth creationists today oppose evolution. This distinguishes them from theistic evolutionists who also hold to an old earth. So basically, there's two people that look at an old earth, right? Evolutionists and, uh, and these what we call old earth creationists. But they all think that the earth is old. 
And if you talk to anybody who's a scientist, they will tell you that the Earth appears, from all the scientific data we've gathered, that the Earth is very old. This distinguishes from theistic evolution, who also hold to an older Earth. Those in this latter group do not refer to themselves as old Earth creationists, but as evolutionary creationists. So an evolutionary creationist is also an old Earth creationist. Old Earth creationists seek to account for the age of the Earth universe within the scriptural record. They often propose these as scenarios or hypotheses rather than dogmatic positions. So an old Earth creationist is basically trying to harmonize Genesis 1, the seven-day creation, with the facts on the ground. And the way that they do that is by saying everything in Genesis is true, but there's extra biblical stuff that happened after creation to the point of now. Uh, and so it is perfectly fine for a scientist to say that the earth is, is a billion years old or the universe is a billion years old because that's fine. You can have creation at the beginning by God, but then it's an old earth and you have uh, this time in between when God created the universe and created the earth and created man and you have now. Uh, that is what we call an old earth creationist. And for them, they look at different scenarios as hypotheses and they don't take dogmatic positions. And what we mean by that is science, um, scientists come up with a hypothesis and then they test the hypothesis and then they say, this is the dogmatic truth. One of the problems with scientists and looking at the age of the universe is we don't have a way to really fully understand how old the universe is. Because as the universe is evolving, the laws of, of how different materials decay and all that sort of thing, it all changes. And so we're not entirely sure. A scientist can be never entirely sure unless you can actually replicate the experiment and do it over again. And we can't replicate the experiment and do it over again. So even for scientists, it's all theoretical. So for old earth creationists, they come up with hypothesis. This is how it could be. The a cre uh, evolutionary biologist says it has to be this way. There's no other way. And they're not open to any other interpretations because that is the, the body of evolutionary biologists will say this is how it is. And you are not allowed to deviate from that. Otherwise, you're thrown out of the evolutionary biology field. So uh, both of them require faith. Both of them require a belief system. Both of them have no way to test uh, which one is true and which way is not. Because a true scientific experiment has to be tested uh, before it can become like law, before it can become the established truth and the fact. And there's no way to go back. 5,000 years, 10,000 years, 100,000 years, a million years, a billion years, and do it all over again. All we're doing is supposing, which means that our theory, what we believe in, more tells us about who we are and what we believe than necessarily what the scientific community believes. Uh, you, you, each person needs to hold on to what makes sense to them, right? Um, and so this is an old earth creationism. The next one is called young earth creationism. And young earth creationism is a scientific enterprise, is younger than old earth creationism among evangelicals. It became influ influential in the middle of the 20th century. 
So this whole idea about young earth creationism is actually a newer thing. And basically the young earth creationism model says, you know what? The earth is young. God said it's, it's uh, created in seven days. Uh, we know that mankind has been around. You know, maybe, maybe God created in seven days and he created man. And now the history of mankind ha starts at that point. We have a fairly decent history of mankind. And so that's what uh, young earth creationism is. Um, like most old earth creationists, young earth creationists reject scientific, the science of evolution. Um, so young earth creationists basically are, are basically saying the evolutionary theory that exists right now is that uh, out of some big bang, uh, there was an explosion and the universe was created and over time uh, the particles of the universe coalesced into planets and stars and galaxies and solar systems and all that sort of thing. And on this little tiny planet called Earth, on this little tiny planet called Earth, somehow, we don't know how, or scientists have not said how this is, life appeared. Uh, and as life appeared, the life evolved. And as life evolved, uh, it changed from little microorganisms to the humans that we have today and all of life that we know it today. And that that process took uh, a million years, a uh, hundred million years or whatever. If you look at the age of the universe, um, and I don't have the exact figures, but there, there's an age that they've established and that all of that could happen within the age of the universe. Um, so that's, but the young, the young earth creationists reject that. They say, no, God created maybe five, 10, 20,000 years ago, and that's when it all started. Uh, and then everything kind of began at that point. Uh, so, unlike old earth creationists, young earth creationists also reject an old earth and universe as set forth by geologists and astronomers. Many of them, but not all, date, date the earth's age between 6,000 and 15,000 years old. So if you're a young earth creationist, you believe the earth is between six and 15,000 years old. Um, and then young earth creationists originally focused on developing a scientific model based on Noah's flood to account for the fossils in the geological record. So for a young earth creationist, it all goes down to Noah. So that is why one of the major proponents of young earth creationism, uh, his name is Ken Ham. And he is with Answers in Genesis Institute. Did he die? He might have died. I don't remember. But uh, the Answers in Genesis uh, program or that institute still exists. And for people who believe in young earth creationism, Ken Ham in Answers in Genesis is kind of the foundational seminal work on that, carrying forth a lot of different pieces of it. And if you go to their place, uh, in Tennessee, I think it is, or Alabama, I can't remember. But if you go back, uh, back there somewhere, you will find the Creation Institute, the Answers in Genesis Institute, and you'll find a boat. And it's a, it's a replica based upon the numbers given in Genesis as far as how big Noah's Ark is. And you can actually go through Noah's Ark. It's a life-size replica of what Noah's Ark would have looked like. And um, you can go there and be a part of it. And why is Noah's Ark such an important thing? Is because as we'll find out in the book of Genesis, there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of scripture prior to Noah's Ark that seems very strange and unusual. Uh, and then after the time of Noah, you kind of get a more regulated 
a different uh, understanding of the earth. So there's a pre-Noah and there's a post-Noah, Noah and the ark. Uh, and the pre-Noah stuff, uh, a young earth crew creationist would say that, that that is kind of unknowable. God created and boom, it's done. And then it kind of really starts at Noah's ark. Uh, and that is, uh, that's Ken Ham. And I will, I don't remember if Ken Ham is still alive. Uh, and then the last one, young earth creationists disagree as to whether one can say that the earth looks old. Most argue that it is young and looks young. A few hold that it is old, but actually young. So, uh, and again, this is from, this is from a travel guide to the evangelical creation debates on what is young earth creationism by Charles Aran. There was a lecture that he, series that he gave or articles he wrote back in February of 2018. So this is not my stuff, but it's really good stuff. So that's young earth creationism. So you have old earth creationism, which is basically um, the earth can be 100 million years old, but God created it at the beginning. You have young earth creationism, which is no, the earth is only you know, six to 15,000 years old. Uh, and then mankind came onto the scene, and we really have been tracking along with man, uh, but the earth is very, very young. And I, I should say, I should point out that for a um, very, very long time, I loved listening to Ken Ham and listening to his theories on evolution, on um, the, the fossil record, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I, I, I used to really, really enjoy following Ken Ham. And I'm not saying that I don't disagree with anything he says. Uh, but I just don't really necessarily follow him anymore because I just don't have the time. It was a, was a great part of my life, but um, and it's a very interesting part of my life. So I'm not necessarily, there was a point in my, in my life when I clung very strongly to young earth creationism, probably for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, the big reason for me was uh, if the Bible said, you know, seven days, uh, can God create the earth in seven days? I mean, if he can raise Jesus from the dead, and if he can speak and the earth is created, I think to me it is a, a more, to me the idea that God could create the universe just by speaking, that he could violate every law of physics that we have in our known universe and outside of that universe create and create the universe. If he can do that, then it is certainly not improbable or hard to believe that he could also create in seven days and start the clock ticking 15,000 years ago. Um, and yes, there's a lot of fossil records, and yes, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the size and expansion of the universe, all that sort of thing. But could he have, is it possible that God could create the universe just as he said in seven days and then 15,000 day years ago start the clock ticking? Uh, and everything that we see around us was kind of done in seven days. Is that possible? And if you believe in an infinite God with infinite power, the answer was, of course, yes. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, the bigger question comes down to, do you believe that there's a God or do you believe that there's not a God? That is probably the bigger question that every person needs to deal with than whether or not God did it in seven days or 7,000 years or 100 million years or whatever. Uh, and so uh, while I was very much a young earth creationist and probably still am to some extent today, I'm not dogmatically so, right? I'm, I'm very, very much open to the scientific community because I've also read in scripture that God says to subdue the earth. And in order to subdue the earth, that means we have to understand it. 
And in order to understand it, we have to be open to all theories and allow those theories to come in and gel and think about them. And it may take hundreds or thousands of years for us to figure it out, but I think eventually we'll figure it out. All right, I wanna go back to um, the last one, which is evolutionary creationism. Uh, evangelicals who hold to evolution refer to themselves as evolutionary creationists rather than theistic evolutionists, as a latter term does not imply a Christian commitment. So an evolutionary creationist an evolutionary creationist is one who thinks that God, that creation in the, that, that the scientific community of, of how the world came about, right? Big Bang and all that, that is completely compatible with scripture. If you don't go by literal seven days and you say just God did it, but he used creation to do it, or he used evolution to do it. Um, the evolutionary uh, creationists is a fairly recent movement among evangelicals. And it was sparked in a large degree, not by geological science, but by the science of genetics. Because genetics and how animals interrelate has a lot to say about, it's this evolutionary biology is a field that clings to evolution and change uh, that they have to have kind of this theory of evolution for an evolutionary biologist for that field to exist. Uh, so that's, that's where you get it. And then um, evolutionary creationists accept the evolutionary science of common descent but differ on the degree and the manner of God's direct involvement in evolution. Uh, evolutionary creationists seek to show the, how the Bible, when interpreted in its historical and cultural context, is completely compatible with evolutionary biology. And evolutionary creationists are engaged in lively debates over the biblical meaning of a historical atom along with the entry and transmission of original sin. So, and that's where it all comes down to. I mean, first of all, you come down to, is there a God? How did he create it? But if you believe in evolution, um, maybe we'll get into this tomorrow. If you believe in evolution and the evolutionary theory, what does that mean for mankind? And what does it mean for, for original sin? Because, uh, Original sin is foundation to who we are as a species and as a human race and as Christians. Uh, and evolutionary biology, if it's just a natural selection process, that natural selection implies that um, there is no such thing as sin. That the things that we call sin in Christianity, decay, uh, the human condition, all that sort of thing is just natural. And so it brings up a whole philosophical debate about what is the meaning of sin. So we'll probably get into that tomorrow because we're pretty much run out of time today. Uh, but I, I didn't think it was appropriate to get into uh, Genesis 1 with the least bringing out this fact that um, there are different people that come down differently on this question. Now, uh, I probably should leave you just really quickly with this. Um, good Christians can disagree on this. Good Christians should disagree on this. We cannot take a dogmatic position because God told us from the very beginning to subdue the earth. And that means understanding the earth to the best extent that humans can, which means we need to be open to understanding different theories that are out there. We have to test these theories. We have to try to understand the earth as much as possible. And there are good Christians that are trying to do that in various fields across the earth. And um, we should not be so dogmatic that we say to a person, you are not a Christian because you do not believe in a literal seven days. 
Nor should we say, nor should the scientific community say to a Christian, you are not a true scientist because you hold on to a, a, a seven-day creation. Both of those are not true. You can actually wrestle with this and investigate it and try to understand it to the best of your ability. That's what God's called you to do. Uh, and some are doing it uh, in the context of Christianity and some are not doing it in the context of any religion. Um, so I guess the bottom line is, is that Jesus' grace is bigger than these questions because when he came to the earth, he showed us once and for all the power of God uh, and what he can do. And what he can do is raise someone from a dead and what he can do is, is uh, affirm that God was behind creation, uh, which is what, what Jesus proved. So uh, we're gonna end it there today. Uh, thank you there so much for joining me. Uh, let's close in prayer. Dear God, uh, you have told us to subdue the earth, and we've been doing that for many, many years. And we don't understand it, Lord, because it is so complicated. You have made an incredible creation. Uh, we don't understand it, but we understand you. And we know that you uh, have our best interests at heart and that you love us. And that's really all we need to know in life. Uh, thank you for this time together. And until we meet again, keep us in your grace. In your son's name we pray.